Welcome to The Entrepreneurial Lawyer, How to Grow Your Law Firm, a podcast for managing and growing your legal practice. Hello, thank you for joining us for the final part of our three-part series with managing partner of Brian Krupp and Ed Herman. The next step is you, you're meeting with the client and you're either going to take the case, you're going to refer it out, but you have to also explain to them the attorney that's going to be working on it, or do we really do we need a paralegal to work on it? And that's important. We're, Sarah and I have been heavily involved in the legal field before we uh, ascended to our positions, and we work together at a prior law firm. And Sarah is amazing at training her paralegals just to be the top paralegals on cases or to be the top assistants on cases. And that is the backbone of the case. They're not out there practicing laws and arguing to the judge or you know, performing surgery in, in you know in the in the operating room, but they're just so essential to the case. What, in, in your opinion and advice, what's the best way to explain to a potential client that you need that support? Well, it, it's it, if you're the business of charging by the hour, it becomes very easy because you tell them one of the things mm-hmm. we do to save you as much money mm-hmm. as we can in the representation is if the work can be done initially by a paralegal and then just reviewed by the attorney, that's a lot more cost effective than asking the attorney to do it all. You're going to get the exact same result because if the attorney has to make any changes on it, the attorney will, but that's a fraction of their time. So if you're in billable work, that's an easy discussion. Our stuff is all about, you know, the efficiencies. And we explain to the clients, we do have obviously a very robust staff helping to work on these things, but we're very careful. Uh, Lawyers do the stuff that has to be done by lawyers. And the paralegals, they're far easier to get on the phone. They don't have to ever go to court. They're at their desks the whole work week. They're not going anywhere. So one of the main things we tell people is, you know, we don't want to be a firm where you can never get an answer. We want to be the firm where you can always get an answer. And right when you call, you know, the easiest way, you know, the biggest complaint about lawyers in general, as you know, is they don't call their clients back. Um, The easiest way to avoid having to call a client back is being able to take their call live when they call. And, and so what you have to do is you have to figure out a system, if you can, that allows for the highest percentage possible of those calls being resolved on the first call. You can resolve whatever the issue is on the first call. The whole problem returning calls goes away, and the clients are happier than anybody because how easy was that? It wasn't a song and dance. It wasn't a back and forth. It was I called. And the easiest way to do that is to get them on board with the ideas that the paralegals they, they, they know what's going on. They know what their limits are. If you have a question that they can't answer, they're not going to fake an answer. They will reach out to the attorney, wherever the attorney is. They'll text them in court if they have to, but they'll get you an answer fast. But most questions can easily be answered by the paralegal. Most of these things are status updates. They just go onto the computer, look at the software, and they see what, what's going on. And, and that usually is the right way to go. So that, that becomes really the pitch. It just becomes we have figured out a way to get your case through the system faster. Yeah, and I don't think... And and this is how we do it. Just allowing them to know that relationship that you have with the paralegal so they can trust you and the paralegal. Because the paralegal has, to your point, the same information at a much faster pace. Right, and and quite often uh, with a a softer touch and a little bit more patience. And, you know, we have paralegals that that really form pretty close relationships with the clients. Right. Um, To the point where, you know, a lot of times the paralegals will get more cards, you know, thanking them than even the lawyer gets because the paralegals, flowers. sometimes flowers. they do, they get involved mm-hmm. with the family a little yeah. bit more. They really get to know them 
uh, very well. So those relationships are, are always pretty good, actually. Never a problem. And you know what? We're easy to get a hold of. Um, Andy Krupen's the other managing partner and myself. Like, we, we're, we make ourselves available all the time for anything that comes up. We don't. We try to tear down walls. We're not looking to build like a crazy bureaucracy. We're looking to build a, a well-oiled machine that produces happy clients, and happy clients produce the profits. So let's go back to the intake process because it's so important when you're in that meeting. What if a question arises, and coming from a, a, a general practice or a lot of our audiences, some are, are specialized, but it can happen in any type of practice, a question is asked and you do not know the answer. You know, I think, I, you know, you're, the attorney-client relationship is built on trust. And you can actually gain trust with another person by, you know, being able to admit that off the top of your head, you, I, you know, I'm not 100% sure on that. I, I, I do not want to give you bad information. Bad information is way worse than no information. So if it's okay with you, I, I want to look into that and make sure I get you an accurate answer. And then I, we can have a follow-up conversation, and I'll get to that answer. But let's go ahead and continue this conversation and, and move it forward. I, I would rather do that. I don't think – people don't expect you to know everything, you know. And, and I think if you kind of just convey – I'm fairly confident I know the answer, but, I'm, uh, but I do not want to give you bad information. And I, I think people are okay with that. You know, I, I don't uh, – I mean, have you ever experienced a problem with somebody if you're – just kind of couch it like that. I mean, it's just honest. No, except for when you're not in an office setting when someone finds out you're a lawyer. Like, oh, my so-and-so has a question. Hey, what do you think about this? But when you're in that intake situation, I, I, I think you, you're you spot on. It, it, it's okay to say, I don't know, but I will get back to you because you're yeah. building that relationship. You're building that trust. And the last right. thing you want, just from a malpractice standpoint, is to get bad advice and them to rely right. on that. And, right? and if you want to not make yourself look like you don't know at all, I think you can say, you know, and you probably do have a pretty good instinct what the idea is. You're just not sure. And we all go back to law school and think, I know I learned this at some point. So I think that the better answer is instead of just saying, I don't know, but I'll find out, is I'm, I'm pretty sure that I do know, but I don't want to give you bad information. Bad information is worse than no information. So I'm actually going to look that up for you to make sure that I'm right. And then I'm going to let you know and answer your question after, but let's go back to the rest of the conversation. Right. And you continue with your intake because, of course, what you don't want to do is you don't want to turn that cli potential client into a pending. You don't want it waiting for the results of that answer. So go back to your pitch, and if it's, you know, intake meetings and intake conversations, half of it is selling the person on your services, and half of it is screening whether or not the person has something that you're interested in. I usually will spend... Um, I always start those conversations with an account of asking a person how they're feeling. I, I want to know where they're coming from, if they're dealing with emotional pain, physical pain, if they're in treatment, what their mental state is. So a sincere and strategic opening of how are you feeling um, sets a tone of care, mm -hmm. and it really informs what your conversation is going to look like. What motivated this call? I start to realize, is this a person who's looking for justice? Is this a person who's sort of desperate? They're in a really bad situation. Is this a person who's really angry? And they're, and they're looking for a pound of flesh. You learn a lot about asking a person how they're feeling. And, and, then I, and then you have to be nimble. You have to be able to tailor the conversation so that your communication style matches up as a very comfortable fit with clearly what they're, what they're looking for. And that's not to say you fake it or that you have to be a chameleon. It's a matter of active listening, 
with appropriate responses. That's why our intake people don't work off of scripts. I, I'm not a believer in scripts. Neither are Sarah and I. <laughs> yeah, I, I just think, that, listen, if, if you're not capable of having an organic, meaningful conversation with somebody in, a, in an area of, of the, of that you, this is your job, this is what you do for a living, you can't have those conversations organically. I think you're probably in the wrong business. All of our intake people are, are very well trained with that. But every one of our prospects in, the, in our practice areas, they speak to an intake person, they all speak to a lawyer every one of them, and on the first phone call. We have seven lawyers who do nothing but just speak to new prospects. That's their entire job, and they're busy all the time. It's pretty amazing, but it makes me proud to know that we're still keeping up the promise we made at the very beginning of the life of the firm, which is you call us, and if it's an area of practice we handle, you're going to talk to an attorney on that call. That's phenomenal because a lot of firms will m- make a statement like that, but you're, you're talking to a paralegal or even that first meeting, it's a paralegal. Right. And, I, and I'm, I'm against that. I, I, I think that sets bad precedence to me is borderline malpractice because you, you're not in that room and if that person's dispensing legal advice, it's your license that's on the hook. Well, and think and about reputation. what I said earlier. Well, I Most... think that goes back to training. If you have a paralegal giving legal advice, whew, that's a whole different issue. But not to interrupt, but real quick, I actually did handle the intake process at my old firm, but it was most certainly not as genuine as what you're speaking to, but we were just asking the questions on right. the form. Yeah, the general you know, questions. Exactly. To make that determination, is this a case that, you know, the attorney reviews and says, yes, we're going to take or no, we're not. But um, I thought of something, Ed, when you were when you were talking about maintaining that relationship or creating that relationship, even if you were telling a potential client, this isn't going to be in your best interest. What happens, though, specifically in your area of practice, you've, you've had the conversation, gone through the intake, gone, the screening process completed, and, yep, we're going to go ahead and go forward with this. They've signed on the dotted line, the contingent fee agreement, and you get the medical records, you start looking into it, whatever it might be, and you go, oh, goodness, there's not a case here. Mm-hmm. How do you have that conversation you know, to maintain a relationship? You know, I think that that's, it's an easier conversation than you realize. It's, it's not all that different from when you used to have to solve math problems in high school. And the teacher would say, show your work. Because this way, even if you don't get the right answer, I can still give you credit for the work that you did. Use that as your mindset. And when you talk to a client, you say, listen, I, this is a, an important conversation that we're going to have. Are you in a good place where you can hear me well and we can talk through this? And they'll say yes. And then what you tell them, it says, we, we, we've run into a wall. And, of course, it's what we do for a living. You know, cases come up, facts come up, walls pop up. Sometimes we can get over them and sometimes we can get around them. And sometimes you, you hit a fact in a case that literally it, it, it stops the case in its tracks. And obviously, you know, we never want that to happen. Our clients don't want that to happen. But those things do happen. So I always tell our people, and it's just, you know, take credit for everything good that happens in a case and assign blame for everything bad that happens to the appropriate place. Don't own it if it's not ours. Now, I'm not saying that, we, that we're to blame and we're going to blame someone else. What I'm saying is that normally when that happens, when you do hit a roadblock that you can't get around, it's certainly not by our choice. It's not our fault that we hit the roadblock. Something happened. So being able to explain what caused the, the thing to stop. And, why, and again, why it's in the client's best interest to get some closure and move on from this because this is, this is a death knell for the case. 
And I always do the regular things. I, you know, remind people that, you know, this isn't a reflection on, on them. This is not a reflection. This is nobody saying that they haven't been hurt, that their life hasn't been affected. This is a reflection of the fact that the law, as it exists right now in our state, has drawn a line there, and they're not letting your case get across it. And then what I tell them is, you know, I, I, I keep them in the loop, and I, and I say, listen, I want to remind you, when we took your case on, we made a promise to you that if there was no recovery, not only would we not get paid a fee, but that you wouldn't even have to reimburse us for any of the expenses. So I want to reinforce to you that even though we have to close this, all of the expenses that we've advanced on your behalf, we are going to eat them as a loss because we're the experts and we're the ones who felt like you were going to have a case. So we'll take that burden. And you don't owe us a penny for the work that we've done. And, 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 and I don't want you to, ha again, you know, go back to them because some of them feel bad. They feel like, my God, you guys did all this work. You didn't even make a penny. So you just want to, once again, you want to reinforce them. Look, this is what we do for a living. We do the best job we can. And if you had another case tomorrow, I wouldn't think twice about what happened on this case and the time we put in or whatever. You have a case tomorrow. We look at it with fresh eyes and we approach it for you. And we just be happy that you come back to us. So, you know, those are, you know, it's again, I, there's not magic in that. I think it's really just a sincere, empathetic, fact-based conversation. I think people people can handle bad news. They can. What they can't handle is being lied to. Right. That is far more offensive to a person than you were honest, but the news was bad, or you lied to them. Ask people which they'd rather have, and other than the ones being comical and saying, I'd rather you lie to me, I don't want the bad news. In their heart, they, they, they people want to know. They want to know the truth. Yeah. You know. We could just keep going and going, but I know, Ed, uh, you are a very busy man <laughs> doing amazing things. <laughs> I have to ask. Oh. I would love to be on Three Lords Eating a Sandwich. He really wants to oh, be a sandwich. Oh, yeah, I do. <laughs> I just want to put that promo out there. Okay, well, we'll, we'll have to build toward that. Uh, we, we have, well, you know, only, I, I don't know that you want to, we just had Ryan O'Reilly on. He's the captain of the blues and, and, and the comedian, you know, uh, Darius Bradford, who has a really big following. I don't want to put you in a position we have to follow them. So maybe maybe we get a couple that. of episodes where we just are back to the original three with, with, with nobody extra, and who knows? Maybe we expand from there. But I can't put that pressure on you. Dan, it's uh, the first date. Slow down. You can't eat a sandwich the way Ryan O'Reilly ate a sandwich. The guy, the guy had to take his tooth out. Oh, my God. Yeah, that, he's literally on camera there. It's very funny. And he has to do it. He wasn't doing it for effect. He, you know, he can't eat with his fake tooth in. Yeah. Um, it'll, he may swallow it. So he pulls oh it out, gosh. has the big gap in front. Here's what I heard, though. This will make you happy. There's a chance. All things are possible. I'm a fan. Yeah. I come from a place of yes. I, I really— I like this guy. Yeah. <laughs> no is something as a last resort. I really don't want to accept a no or have to give a no unless I have to. I think the takeaway from today is when you're in that initial meeting, empathy extends into so many different areas— but you really want to go in there with the mindset of relationship building. Yeah, exactly. Because no matter what their situation is, whatever their fact pattern is, there is a relationship that could be built. And it's not coming out of nowhere. It's coming out of the fact that they, they heard of you and they wanted you. And that's what brought them to that table. Mm -hmm. You can build on that. Even if they don't have a case, that's the beginning of a relationship. And then it just becomes a matter of, of the ways that you go about right. cultivating it. But I can tell you this. Whatever money you spend on cultivating those relationships will pay for itself over and over and over because 
those people are your ambassadors. They are your super agents, and they're out there not just recommending you when somebody happens to ask or happens to bring it up. They're advocating for you. I still have an email from a, a potential client I met with years ago, and just from what we've been discussing, didn't have a case, sent me an email thanking me for letting him know that. Yeah. And, and I kept that. And think about... there's been others, but that one's the... Yeah, and and think about, obviously, because it was maybe a little exceptional, but but think about what happened there and how you can recreate that dynamic over and over and over again and what that would do for the long-term health and growth of your business. Sure. Well, Ed, thank you. This has been informative for me. I hope our our viewers, not just listeners now, Dan. Hey, if anybody is still listening all the way at the end (laughs) of this thing, kudos to you. I wish I had a joke or, I mean, I probably do, but we're not going to do it. Um, But a little reward for you for making it all the way to the end. Will you come back? Of course. We could have sandwiches with the three of us. We could could sit here eating sandwiches while we're talking. It may not be the exact same. One step closer. One step closer. Yeah, it's sort of like an audition. I mean, we got to see how. Like, do you can you do you chew with your mouth closed? We already got Terry who chews with his mouth open. Every video we get at least one comment, and you want to say, "Listen, the guy's getting up there, and we're trying to talk while we eat." Of course, he's going to have his mouth open a little bit, but apparently, a few a few viewers were a little grossed out by it. So I tell him now, keep your mouth shut. Audition, Dan, practice. Watch yourself in the mirror. Let's go ahead, grab some lunch. You know, I, no. we make it look easy. <laughs> you know, don't no. think it's easy. You know, you can't just sit there and eat a sandwich and think, my God, I did it. You know, there's uh, there's a lot that goes into yeah, it. Yeah, I sure. believe it. You'd be shocked if you saw how elaborate those shoots were. <laughs> they are. They're huge crews, like 20 well, people I'll, there. I'll be there. I'll, I'll know firsthand. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. And for well, me, please don't do it. Don't take him with you. I will have to hear about it for the next six months. It, oh, well, no, would you that's rather conservative. Hear, I think ooh. you'd hear about it for longer than six months. <laughs> would you rather hear about that or me just being melancholy and sad and depressed that I, I got rejected? Oh, definitely the second one. Oh, my God. Man, this is awesome. Well, you know, maybe if you let her talk more, see, she would not feel that way. It's not uh, about just Dan you. here, Dan, Sarah, team. Oh, there's no I. There's definitely a we. Okay, and thank you. We know you have better things to do than listen to this banter. Not we, today. We, I don't. we can carry on later. This is going to be the highlight of my day. <laughs> Tell everyone about it. (laughs) Well, again, we we really thank you for being on. And to our viewers and our listeners, thank you. Uh, Please don't forget to like and subscribe. This is The Entrepreneurial Lawyer. Thank you for listening to The Entrepreneurial Lawyer, How to Grow Your Law Firm, presented by Lexicon. Lexicon is a legal software and services provider that enables lawyers to do what they do best, practice law. Tune in next time with our hosts and be sure to subscribe and leave your review on your preferred podcast streaming platform or by visiting lexiconservices.com. Hold up. 